Welcome to the Central Christian Church Message Podcast. We are passionate about leading people to discover and fully own faith in Jesus. It is our desire that the following message inspires you to take your next steps in your own faith. Let's dive in. Good morning, everyone. As I do every week, I want to begin with a word of welcome. I welcome those of you who are in this room with me. I want to welcome those of you who are on any of our campuses, and I want to welcome those of you who are uh, with us online. Uh, it is great to have you. Hey, uh, today is a special day. There's a, about three days uh, a year that we kind of set apart as Celebration Day, and uh, this is a Celebration Day. Uh, today, we graduate the spring class of Rooted. And they started 11 weeks ago, and this afternoon at 4 o'clock on the Tempe campus, we're going to have a big party, and uh, there's going to be baptisms, and it's going to be an incredible, incredible event. I'm telling you that to tell you this. If you haven't gone through Rooted, or maybe it's been a long time since you've gone through Rooted, you've got to know that in our understanding of how we do church, Rooted is like boot camp. It's like spiritual boot camp. We believe in spiritual formation and that there is a process of how we grow, and, uh, and it's really, really important. And you can imagine being a soldier and skipping boot camp because it sounded hard or something, I don't know, uh, would not prepare you well for the battle to come. So uh, if, you are, if, you're not, if you've not yet gone through Rooted, we're going to start another one of these courses. Um, the summer series starts on May 1st. And again, on all of our campuses, on our online, all of this, there, you get involved with this thing and uh, it will change your life. So anyway, I'm excited about today. So here's the deal. We're going to be in Galatians, uh, which we've been studying for the past month or so. But uh, we can't get to Galatians today until we go through the book of Acts. So I need you to find in your Bible, find the book of Acts. And uh, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. It's the early church's history. And so we're going to be in chapter 10. So if you'll just take a moment and find that. And while you're doing that, let me, um, just while you're processing that, let me ask you a couple of questions, okay? Uh, They're going to sound like they're not related, but you're going to see they're incredibly related in just a moment. So question number one, can you remember a time when you're confident you heard from God? You cannot tell me I didn't. I heard from God. I don't know how you heard from God. Uh, maybe you heard a voice. I've never heard God's voice. I can't say it. I'm not saying it didn't happen. It's never happened to me. But I can guarantee you I have felt uh, that I've heard from God. And various ways that God can communicate through his spirit, through, you know, just his leading, all of the different, uh, his word, through people, all of that. Uh, can you remember a time? I'm positive I heard from God. Question number one. Question number two. Uh, Is there things about God that are so basic to your faith, so core to your faith, that God himself would have a hard time convincing you otherwise? Understand what I'm asking. In other words, has somebody told you something about God you are so sure is true, and and yet it, it might not be true, but it's so basic and so core to who you are, it's so embedded in you, it would be really, really hard for you to ever change your mind on that. Which leads me now to this thought. Could God change your mind about that? Could you have learned something about God that's just false? It's just not true. But you've heard it all your life. You believed it all your life. And God himself wanted to change your mind. How could he get through to you to get you to understand you got it wrong? Now, against that backdrop, I want to show you uh, literally a couple people's story 
that's going to come from Acts chapter 10. Now, I don't know if you've caught on to this yet, but we're studying the book of Galatians, but the book of Galatians didn't just happen in a vacuum. So what we're doing is we're going through the book of Acts to help us to understand what was happening that caused Paul to write what he wrote in the book of Galatians. And when you understand what's happening, the the scripture becomes so much more alive. You go, I get it. I get it. I never understood, but now I get it. So you cannot understand what we're going to study in Galatians 2 until you understand what happened in Acts 10. So let's just take a moment and go through that. Now, before we start, I got to explain something to you, and this is really, really important. A core belief of the Jewish people of that day, that every Jewish person was raised on, that everyone got deep down into their psyche, was that you, as a Jewish person, are special. You're a part of the chosen nation. You are a part of the chosen race. You mean more to God than anybody else means. And you got to get your brain around that. From the time you were just literally weaned, they started telling you, you are better than everybody else. You are literally superior because God loves you more than anybody else. And we love God more than anyone else. God is ours as a people. And uh, you, you, you just need to understand, uh, you won the lottery because you're a part of our, our tribe, our nation. Okay? And anyone who's not of us, is less than us. They came up with a name. They called them Gentiles, which let's just say um, uh, unclean, unholy, not as good as, not, not, not like us. And they were taught to avoid those people who were not part of them. Now, again, I don't know how hard that is for you to wrap your brain around, but you've got to understand that's just the way it was. They were special, and they knew they were special, and they loved being special. So let's do this. Let's go to Acts chapter 10, and I'm going to read part of this, and then I'm going to go and just tell you what happened for the sake of time, because I, I, I don't want us to get lost just in Acts 10. But let me just explain what happens, okay? So we're going to take this in a couple of chunks. Acts chapter 10, beginning at verse 1, says this. Now, at Caesarea, okay, stop. Where's Caesarea? In Israel, right above the modern day of the city of Tel Aviv, north of Tel Aviv, is an ancient port city called Caesarea. Caesarea Maritima, Caesarea by the sea. This is what this scene is happening. It's in this, this place. It is the port that the Romans used to come in and out of Israel at the time. All right. Now, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian Regiment. He is a Gentile. He is an outsider. He is a Roman. All right. He and his family, this is what's going to throw us, were devout and God-fearing. That's not supposed to happen. He's not one of us. Why are they believing in our God? Okay. That he was devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and he prayed to God regularly. He was a weirdo. He was odd. All right. Now, one day at about three in the afternoon, He had a vision. God's going to speak to him. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What what is it, Lord? Like, you're talking to me? Cornelius, yeah. All right. Now, the angel answered, listen carefully. Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Uh, Cornelius, I just need you to know, God, like that gift you gave to help people. So even the LIA thing we just watched, 
that you cared enough. Cornelius, God saw that. He saw that. And he listens when you pray, Cornelius. Now, you got to understand, Cornelius, is, like his little paradigm's being rocked here, all right? Now, now send men to Joppa. Okay, now, here, here's the deal. Modern-day Tel Aviv, north is the port city of Caesarea. Joppa, just south of Tel Aviv. And, but Tel Aviv wasn't there at the time. So, send men to Joppa and bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. Uh, when the angel spoke to him, had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a, a, a devout soldier who, who was one of his attendants. So two servants and a soldier. He told them everything that had happened, and he sent them to Joppa. All right? This is easy enough to follow. They're going to go down the coast. They're going to go find this guy named Peter, and they're going to have a conversation. Now let's jump into what's happening down in Joppa. All right? So it says this. Now about noon the following day, they're not hopping on a bus. They're not taking a short flight. They got to walk, okay? So about noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. Now, he became hungry, and he wanted something to eat. As they were fixing lunch, you can the smell or something. Who knows? And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He's like, okay, he's like, I'm seeing something here. He saw... Heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. And Peter's going, well, that's just weird. Okay, and then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Okay, now you might just be reading this just going, big deal. A sheet came down, animals kill and eat. No, 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 no. Surely not, Lord, Peter said you got to be kidding me. Now listen, listen. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. This is a good Jewish boy who grew up with kosher laws. You don't eat those things. Those things are filthy. Those things are dirty. They are unholy. They are unclean. You avoid them at all costs. Right? The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This deep core conviction that Peter was raised with, we don't eat that because we're special. And now this vision and this voice is telling me, God is telling me, you got it wrong, Peter. You can eat that. And then Peter's going, but God, there's pigs in there. And God says, that's right, son, enjoy your bacon. Okay, because if this vision would have never happened, we would not enjoy bacon. God is good. Can I get an amen from the people? God is good. So do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back into heaven. So guys, be Peter for a second. He's like going, okay, I'm so confused. Now, I want you to understand something. Cornelius gets a vision from God and says, hey, I want you to go find this guy. Cornelius, yes, sir, right at this moment. I am on my way. Peter gets a vision. He argues with God. You're wrong, God. You're wrong. That cannot be true. Everything I've ever learned, since the time I was a little, this is wrong, and I'm not doing it. Peter, when I'm telling you that you got it wrong, you've got to listen to me. You got it wrong. These are now clean. You can eat these things. And Peter's going, I'm not doing it. If God himself tried to change your mind about your thing, you're so sure you got it right, could he get through to you? Could he communicate to you? Uh, so Peter's like wigging out here. Now, 
Uh, if we keep going, i got to speed up here. He gets to the next section. Peter's sitting there wondering about all this. He's like, well, what is happening here? And then all of a sudden, somebody's knocking on the door. Now, you can just read this. I'm not going to read it. They're knocking on the door. And uh, Peter is processing all of this while these guys are showing up. He's trying to figure this thing out. Um, and then God says, hey, Peter, uh, those, some guys down there uh, that I've sent to you, and I want you to listen to what they have to say. So you look at verse 20. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for, for I have sent them to you. Now, now you got to understand, okay, so God has sent some people. I'm sure they're good Jewish boys that are going to ask me to go do something. He opens the door and he sees this Roman soldier and these Roman soldiers' assistants. And he's like, what, what are you doing here? And then they tell, hey, uh, we work for this guy, Cornelius. He lives up in Caesarea. And uh, he uh, had this vision from God. And he's, uh, God told him to come get you. And so uh, we, Peter, I have no idea why, but God wants you to go up to Caesarea. Now, Peter's got to be going, uh, not with you. Not with you. You are unclean and un, uh, unholy. But he's having this thing going, I just sheet. What did the sheet mean? What was his vision? What was God trying to tell me? And I want you to see uh, verse 23. And again, I wish I had time to show you everything. I just don't. Verse 23, then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. You got to understand this is huge. Peter, you're getting it. Because normally they'd say, you do not cross my threshold. You are unholy. Holy, you stay out. We're pure inside here. And Peter's like going, I don't know what's happening. Weird stuff on the roof. God told me you were coming. Why don't you come on in? So they came on in. They're going to stay the night. You'll see that. They're going to stay the night and they're going to have dinner together. Have lunch and dinner. And they're going to get up and have breakfast. Bacon and eggs. Who knows? And uh, then they're going to go on their journey. So the journey picks up in the next section. Um, but I want you to look down at verse. Let's just start. Again, I don't have time to walk. We start out with verse 24. Uh, Peter and them, uh, Peter grabs a couple of his friends, his Jewish friends, goes, hey, something really weird. I don't know, man, come with me. And uh, they all start heading off. Uh, the following day, it says they get to Caesarea. Um, Cornelius knew they were coming because God told them, go get him, he'll come. And so he got some of his family, some of his friends over. He says, hey, this is going to be awesome. And then um, the, uh, Peter and them get to the door. And I, I want you to see uh, as Peter entered the house. Now, you can just read that line and just go blow by that line. you got to understand, as, and Peter entered the house of Cornelius, this filthy outsider, this Gentile, this non-Jewish man. He went in his house. Peter's making progress, all right? Um, and then Cornelius falls flat on his face in front of Peter, and Peter goes, dude, get up. I'm just a man like you, which is huge, because Peter was not taught that. This is coming from God. We're the same, man. Get up. Peter should in his Jewish, yeah, that's where you belong. You pig, you belong on the ground. You're not one of me, but he doesn't, he'll get up. And so uh, he gets up and then they're talking uh, and Peter looks at the crowd. It, Peter looks in, goes into the room. He looks at, there's a crowd and he's like, what are you all doing here? And, and Peter, what he could have said is, you know what? I'm, it's really weird for me to be, but you know what I've waited all my life to tell you? God does not like you. And I don't like you either. You all, you all, your food is horrible. I can't believe you eat what you eat. I can't believe you do what you do. I can't believe you live where you live. He had all of these things he could say to them, uh, but he just looks at them. And I want you to see what he said. Verse 28. He said to them, uh, 
Hey, guys, listen carefully. Uh, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate or visit a Gentile. But, but God has shown me that I don't know, man, I'm supposed to not call anyone impure or unclean. God's really messing with me right now. And I, I want to tell you how gross you are to God, but I feel like God's telling me not to say that, that you're not all that bad. And so uh, then Cornelius goes, well, Peter, what did you come to tell us? And Peter's going like, what? Yeah, God said you're going to deliver a message. Okay, this is every preacher's nightmare, by the way. Uh, I, I have no notes, you know. And Peter goes, what? Yeah, he said, just tell us. And Peter goes, okay, well, I, let me start with this really weird thing that happened to me the, yesterday. Um, you know, the roof and, and you guys showed up and is that it? Well, no, it's about a bigger story than that. It's about Jesus and how he came and lived and how he died and he rose from the dead. And, and so he lays all this out, which again, I don't have time to read, but I want to show you verse 34. Verse 34 says, then Peter began to speak. He said this statement, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Peter's going, my whole life right now is turning upside down because I've always been told it's just about us. And now I'm starting to realize God goes, no, it's about everybody. And everybody's included here, okay? And so he goes on, he talks about Jesus, and then I'll show you down to verse 43. I know I'm going fast, but I got to. Peter says this statement, and I think Peter, as he's saying this statement, can't even believe he's saying what he's saying, but he's being inspired by the Holy Spirit to make a statement. This is what he says in verse 43. All the prophets testify about him, about Jesus. All the prophets pointed to him. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Now, again, you can read that and just go, yeah, that's cool. No, Peter's going, okay, I'm just telling you. I, I just saw that all the Old Testament pointed, all the history, everything was about the fulfillment to be happening in Christ. And I just get it now. I see it. He sees it so clearly. I want you to see the last verse of chapter 10. Then they asked, oh, by the way, before that happens, I got back up. So Peter's like going, uh, yeah, I don't know, guys, if this really sounds weird to you about this whole Jesus thing. But hey, if you want to, you could receive him because he'd like come into your heart. And they go, we're in, we're in. And Jesus comes in the spirit of God. These guys literally get baptized in the spirit. And Peter's going, oh, like, okay. And, and, and Peter's like going, okay, I can't, it's the weirdest thing that ever happened in my life. And then it says this, then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Where, 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 where are we staying? A holiday inn? No, he's staying here in my house. Peter's going, I've never slept overnight in the house of a Gentile. Okay, got it, got it, got it, got it. I'm so, it's, it's good, it's okay. I was, I was raised on some really bad theology, and you're trying to straighten me out here, so I know you're not going to condemn me, so yeah, I'm going to stay. And, and words out there, bacon served in the morning. And you've got to understand He's like, never had bacon, but that's what they serve in Cornelius' house. All right? Now, let's just, okay. If this happened to you, here's the question I want you to wrestle with. If this happened to you, how long would you reasonably expect this experience and the lesson given to have impacted your life? How long should it have impacted Peter's life? This was mind-blowing 
How long would it stick with you? And the answer is, till the day you die. Because you heard from God. I'll never go back. I'll never go back. I'll never go back. Now, let me drop on you the big idea, and this will make more sense. I'll just drop it on you right now. Because I want to explain something to you that you got to understand. We all got to understand this. Ready? Here's a big idea. What we believe determines how we behave. What we believe, what you believe about God is going to determine how you act. And I'm just telling you, you can unpack that thing for days. It's true. All right. Now, let's jump. Okay, we got the background. Let's jump over to the book of Galatians. Because in Galatians, what's going to happen? And by the way, we started Galatians, like I said, about five weeks ago now, maybe. And we're just taking our time through this. We're just enjoying what it's saying. Um, but uh, you got to understand that uh, uh, the theme of the book of Galatians, and it's the title of this series, is called Set Free to Live Free. That the theme of this book is that you, you, were, you were born to be free. Don't become a slave. That's the theme of the book. You keep seeing this over and over. All right? So you, you were set free to, to live free. And uh, so find Galatians chapter 2. We're going to finish the second part of this today. And we're going to begin with verse 11. And this will go quick. I just need you to understand. There's going to be a heavyweight fight. I mean, this is seriously, this is MMA material. I mean, this is a big deal. Uh, between Peter and Paul. Now, now, let me slow it down. Let me make sure, okay, we got to get a setting here so we can understand this. What's been happening up to this point in time in the book of Galatians? Real quick summary. Paul and his associate Barnabas went off into Gentileville called Galatia and planted churches in these cities in Galatia. And, and they, he taught them about the grace of God and how free you are to live and how God loves you, and, and they, he got them all set up, and then he left them. He goes back home, and then word gets to him that these churches that he started got infiltrated by people who were telling them what Paul told them was wrong, that you don't get to live free. Are you kidding? And they said, basically, you got a bunch of rules to keep. you got a bunch of laws you better follow. you got customs you better observe. And they were called Judaizers because their big argument was before you can become, actually become a Christian, you cannot become a Christian until you first become a Jew. And when you become a Jew and you submit yourself to Jewish customs, the biggest of which Caleb talked about last week, the biggest of which is there's one thing that sets all of us Jewish people apart from everybody else, and it's circumcision. Now, you go, what? I have no idea why God chose this. But that was the sign. If you were circumcised, you were part of this group. So, hey, if you want to be a Christian, you got to get circumcised. And you got to do this, and you got to do this, and you got to do this. But nothing was more objectionable than getting circumcised. Guys, can I get an amen? <laughs> These are adult men. that You got to get circumcised. What? They're going, yeah, that's the only way. And Paul then starts writing to these churches going, do not listen to this. This is ridiculous. You do not have to become a Jew to become a believer. And then these guys start trying to turn the churches against Paul. Going, who is this guy? This guy's a punk. Why did you even listen? He's not even a real apostle. Which none of that's true. So Paul is in writing back. And in this, he's going to say, I want to tell you how deeply I believe in the grace of God. And he tells us about a battle between him and Peter. And you're going to see it real quick. It won't take long. It says this, okay, in verse 11. Okay, let's go catch up. All right. When Cephas, and who's Cephas? 
Peter. Peter is known as Cephas. He's known as Peter. He's known as Simon. I'm sorry. He's just got all these names. Cephas, Peter, all right? When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Guys, that is incendiary. That is incredibly strong language. I stood him down to his face because what he said was wrong. Now, you ought to be leaning in right now going, what did he say? Like, what in the world did he say? What, was, what got him all worked? Like, Paul, what do you mean? Now, let me back up. Who's, who's Peter? Peter is like the number one apostle, the lead apostle at the day. Paul's going to become it, but Peter is the guy, all right? He's like the, the, like the leader of the leaders. And uh, he, he, he's like heavyweight champion of the world, all right? To push the analogy. Um, and by the way, uh, I, m- make sure you see this. In uh, last, uh, two weeks ago, we talked about how, how uh, say with these names again, Paul went up to Jerusalem to see Peter. Remember that? And they had this, they got to know each other. And now we got Peter going to Antioch to see Paul. Now, let me just put this on a map. This is not hard. Okay, let me bring up a map. You'll see this. Okay, so see Jerusalem. That's where Peter's from. And James, uh, James is the head of the church in Jerusalem. Peter's the head of the apostles. Antioch is up the coast. It would be in modern day Syria. All right. And uh, by the way, Caesarea would be about where the E is in Phoenicia. That'd be a... Uh, by eyesight, I'm guessing. Okay, so just get an idea. So Antioch is where Paul is now. So here's what's happening. Paul has turned Antioch into his headquarters to reach the Gentile world because Peter was to reach the Jewish world and the apostles, remember that? And then he's going to take on all of Europe. He's, uh, you, you get all this, you get Israel. I'm going for all of Europe and half of Asia. All right, that's my vision. So uh, Antioch becomes this really important city, and the church is booming. It's rocking in Antioch. And uh, in fact, it says in Acts eleven twenty six, 26, Christians were first called Christians in Antioch. They go, who are those guys? I don't know. They're Christ followers. They're Christ Christians. I don't know they're Christians. It's, it's Paul's base of operations. And, and Peter and the church in Jerusalem hear about what's going on up there, and he goes, I'm going to go check this thing out. So he comes up there. All right, now what happened up there? What in the world happened? All right. Uh, Galatians 2, 12 and 13. Now watch this. Watch this. For before certain men came from James, that's Jerusalem, he used to eat with the Gentiles. Who did? Peter. He used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. Now, the other Jews joined him in this hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Now, again, this might be going by you so fast, it's not hard to understand. So here's what happens. So Peter, and, and he's up in Antioch, and he's hanging out with Barnabas and other Jewish people, and they have this sweet thing going on, man. This church is happening, it's united, there's Jewish, not just because they get it. God shows no favoritism, we got all that, we're all good. And they're having meals together, they're breaking bread, they're having communion together. It's beautiful. And then these guys show up from Jerusalem, they say they were sent by James. In Acts 15, James goes, they were not. But they show up and they go, hey, uh, we're from the Jerusalem council. Uh, you know, the, we're kind of from, you know, the headquarters of the whole deal, you know. And, uh, and, J- uh, and Peter goes, oh, no, what we're doing here, oh, no, it's not going to go over. And did you catch it? They were from the group of the circumcision. What were they? They were Judaizers. They were the same kind of people who were bothering the people in Galatia. And they show up and they go, what? 
And, and Jan, Peter goes, yeah. Uh, and he starts backing up, backing away from his friends, Gentile friends in Antioch. And Barnabas is going, uh-oh, these guys, I mean, this, this is peer pressure big time. Okay, this is like, so they back up and they're getting farther and farther away. And Paul is watching this and uh, he's going, you've got to be kidding. Now, here's what I need you to understand and I say it very simply. They changed their tune. They were all good. You were all fine before, but now I'm going to change my tune. We shouldn't be doing this. This is wrong, and uh, we got we to get out of this thing. So what we're dealing with here is uh, a simple thing called hypocrisy. But I need you to understand, these are Christian leaders. Okay, there's no, no hiding this. Paul's flat out calling it out. So let me ask you a question. So let's just think for a moment of the Gentile believers in Antioch who had been fine with Peter and Barnabas and they'd all, the Jews are all good. It's all good because God shows no favoritism. God made that really clear to Peter. And so he was good. And then all of a sudden they started pulling away. Let me ask you a question. Has anyone ever, has anyone ever dissed you, disrespected you because they felt better than you? Have you ever been on the receiving end of that humiliation when somebody goes, I don't want to hang out with you? I mean, behind, besides you know, junior high girls, beyond that. But they just go, no, you're, you're not one of us. You're not as cool as us. And so Peter and them are like, you know, we don't want to be with you anymore. Has anyone ever been embarrassed to be seen with you? And I know I'm not the only person, so yes, some of you. Flip that. Have you ever been embarrassed to be seen with somebody because your friends would notice? Like, oh gosh, I hope you don't think. I hope you don't for a moment really believe that. I mean, we're, we're so different. Yeah, I just, you know, I, they need some. Do you ever change your tune? All right. What is hypocrisy? Hypocrisy comes to us from the Greek language. Uh, it's the idea of you put a mask on. So you put a face on over here when you're with these people, and then you take that off and you put this face on when you're with these people. Or you turn your back and you just do whatever. It's just whatever face to whatever crowd you need. When in your life do you outgrow hypocrisy? Pretending to be one thing here, knowing you're something else there. When does it get old? When does it get behind you? Let's show you what happens next in Galatians 2.14. Paul says, when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, which is there is no favoritism and we're all on the same playing field. I said to Cephas in front of them all, you are a Jew Yet you live like a Gentile when no one's around. You're fine being with these people. How is it then that you're going to try to now force Gentiles to follow follow Jewish customs? Peter, what are you doing? We, now watch this, this is a little bite of sarcasm. We who are Jews by birth, the superior ones, and not Gentiles, we know. Now watch, watch, watch. That a person is not justified by the works of the law. Peter, you to the core who you are, know that all this rule keeping is a waste of time. That all this stuff you were taught, you to the core of who you are, know this is not of God. This is not what God had in mind. Um, But, uh, okay, so we who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. That's the truth. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, 
Doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. In other words, is this like somehow taking Christ down, taking God down, if we're like all seen together and we're all on the same level playing field? Does this somehow dishonor Christ? Paul goes, absolutely not. This empowers. It is so incredibly good. Why did Paul call Peter out publicly? And here's the answer, because what he did, he did publicly. In front of every one of these people, you backed off. You, you literally showed your card. You, you played your hypocrisy. I, if what you just did catches on, there will always be two tiers of believers. The, the really spiritual ones who are the Jewish believers, and then the rest of us who were just the Gentile believers. And Paul was so passionate about getting people who didn't know God to know God. He knew that if this hierarchy gets set in, this message will get destroyed. If you start thinking you're better than, it will destroy everything. And uh, we're all sinners. That's his point. Peter, you are a sinner. I'm a sinner. You know it. I know it. So why in the world are you acting different in front of these sinners? Like you're a better sinner. You're less than a sinner. You're, he calls them out. All right. Now look, at, I guess verse 16, I'm going to read it again. You cannot miss this. It, this is core to the book of Galatians. If you don't get this, you will never get it, all right? We know that a person is not justified by the works of the law. Keeping rules is not the plan of God. Having all these restrictions placed upon you by somebody who says you've got to do this to please God is not God's plan for your life. But how are we saved? By faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Why? Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. It doesn't work. And I'm just telling you, for every cult that has ever been founded, it starts with, well, here's what God really wants from you. It's different than what you read in the Bible. Here's the rules you got to keep to please God. And they start adding all this stuff. And they enslave people. They come to believe this is what God wants. And it's like, it's not in the Bible. This is not the gospel. Yeah, but it's the gospel explained more fully. And Paul's like going, oh, this is not. Only in Christ, in Christ alone. And then again, I... I got to hurry. Don't ever, 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 ever go back. Don't ever, when you've experienced the freedom in Christ, ever go back to having people put over you all kinds of rules that are not in the Bible that is not the gospel. All right? Now, I got to show you this, verses 19 to 21, and then I'm going to close out. For through the law, Paul said this, for through the law, I died to the law. What does that mean? This thing killed me. I did all these. This killed my spirit. It killed my soul. It will always kill your soul. It will always suck the life out of you. I died to that. That thing took my life. But I died to that so that I might live for God. Now look, 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 look. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see what he's saying? <clears throat> I, I, I'm I'm dead. I, I'm not dead because the law killed me. I'm dead because I identify with what Jesus did. Now, listen, listen. What he's saying is, it's not about me. This whole story of the gospel, it's not about what I did. It's not, hey, you're so good. No, that's what I keep saying. It's he's so good. It's, it's focused on him. So Paul goes, I'm dead. I'm good. 
I live now in Christ. My identity is in Christ. I don't have an identity outside of Christ. Everything is in Christ. And when you see me, I want you to see Christ. And uh, if righteousness on your own could save you, if keeping a bunch of rules could save you, Christ's death meant nothing. It's for nothing. He didn't need to die. You could have done it yourself. You couldn't do it yourself. That's why he did it for you. That's the gospel. All right, now let me, let me close. And let me just, uh, I'm just going to close a couple applications because I'm out of time. You come back next week, we'll pick it up. All right. Um, so here, here's a question we all got to ask ourselves. You do and I do. Am I living a consistent life? Are you living a consistent life? Are you um, one way here and another way there? Are you, like, do people not recognize you when you go to church? Like, who are you? Uh, you know, like, do you change when you, like, get in the car to go to church? I, I just had to ask a question. Because what Peter was doing was changing his story, changing his tune, changing his act based on who he was around. You got to ask the question, do I do that? Do you do that? Do you have, like, one standard for one group and another because if you do, I, I say this with all the love in me, but hypocrisy is knocking at your door. Trying to get you to become somebody you're not and play a game that'll kill you. Um, are you different when others are around you? Uh, what are you talking about? Let me, let me try to make this concrete. I'll just give you a couple things. Do, do you find yourself comfortable with off-color jokes as long as you're at work? I would never say that in my house, and I would never say that at church. But at work, that's cool. Just off color. I know it's off color. Do you find yourself, if you're in a crowd and you know most of them, I'll just pick this, are racist. Do you go, <laughs> I have the funniest racist joke, man. I'm not racist myself, but <laughs> which, every racist always says before they say something racist, they're not racist. Just get a clue, okay? I, I'm, not, I'm not racist, but, but you know that they're going to appreciate the racism in the joke. So, because they're going to they're gonna think it's funny. And so you tell them, you wouldn't tell that joke in another setting. You wouldn't tell that, you wouldn't tell that in front of your, your friends who are of a different ethnicity. You'd never do that. But, yeah, but they weren't there, but, but you so I could tell it. Do you find yourself ever doing something like that? Do you find yourself ever subtly looking down on another group of people? I'm so glad I'm not one of them. I'm so glad. <laughs> I got my issues, but I don't, that, those are not my issues. Kind of a little superior thing going. Like, I'm so glad I don't have their lifestyle because I can't even imagine. Do you ever fall prey to the tendency, the, the temptation to develop a public life and a private life? This is who I am in public. This is who I am in private. Is there inconsistency between your public and your private life? And by the way, just for the record, let me confess this. That's the number one reason preachers lose their kids. Just so you know, they lose their kids. They go, I don't want anything to do with that because I see you when you're at home. Is there a difference between your home? Do you ever find yourself wanting to fit in to this crowd so you do those things? And then later you want to fit into that crowd so you do those things. Even though those things are really different. Do you find yourself playing to the crowd? Now, let me go to the second takeaway. If we're going to live to please people, we will not live to please Christ. And guys, I just, let's pound on that for a second. If your goal is to keep people happy, you've got to understand you're going to compromise your faith in Christ. If I got to play to your audience, I'm not playing to him. 
if I got to keep you happy, I am probably not going to make him happy. I have to decide between those two, which is more important. And uh, again, I just want to say this. What happens is people come along and they want to put all kinds of extra rules on our lives and all kinds of things we have to do. And they, you find yourself wanting to please them. You, oh, I don't want to ruffle. I don't want to say you're wrong. I don't want to not conform. Every cult that was ever founded, folks, came along and said, this is not enough. You need more. Paul's going, Jesus alone. That's all you need. Jesus alone. Uh, here's one statement. When, <clears throat> when you are ready to die to yourself, you are ready to live for Jesus. Until then, you're not. And a shocking statement. That's why in our church, we take Luke 9.23. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you have to die to yourself. It can no longer be about you. You can't find your life in him until you die in him, for him. Which is, by the way, what baptism symbolizes. All right, last thing. What we believe determines how we behave. So if you stopped and just paid attention to what you were doing... And ask yourself the question, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? I guarantee you, you'll figure out what's behind your behavior. You're trying to please somebody. Somebody is on your mind. And you think that behavior is what they expect from you. So when you find yourself conflicted, stop and go, who am I playing to here? What am I doing this for? Why do I think that's important? and you'll learn a lot. Let's pray. Uh, do come back next week. We'll pick it up, and I, lo- I love this book. I love what it teaches. We'll just keep going in. So, Father, thank you for your word. Thanks for uh, just time to be in it. God, thanks for refreshing our spirits with this truth that it's not about us. It's never been about us. It's never meant to be about us. You gave us the law to show us that we were not good enough, not to convince us we were good enough to not need you. God, help us to realize you if you showed a problem and you gave a solution, it's as simple as that, and the solution is you, you and you alone. It's not about us. It's not about our performance. We are to die to ourselves to live in you. And we pray that we get this. And all God's people on all God's campuses and all his online community said amen. amen. Bless you guys. Come back. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our hope is that you are left inspired and challenged to continue to grow in your faith. If you are looking for more from Central, follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. See you next time. Until then, go be the church.